Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. Jimmy and I are going to be doing some traveling in October. Uh, come see us at uh, CXC in Columbus, Ohio, October 6th through 9th. At the end of the month, we're going to be at Baltimore Comic Con, October 28th through the 30th. And uh, smack dab in the middle there, Jimmy's going to be at the Jacksonville Public Library for, for a zine festival. And he is the man of the hour there. Going to be doing some, uh, some unique programming himself on the dais. Uh, we are working, functioning comic creators. And the way that we are able to bring this channel to you is because we sell our books through this channel. Uh, Hulk Grand Design is Jimmy's current project that is on the stands right now and is going to receive a handsome collected edition come Christmas time 2022. So put in your uh, orders and pre-orders for that comic uh, right now. It's going to get that treasury edition treatment that is uh, super sexy and uh, Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive is currently back in print thanks to you guys uh, selling out that original run it's currently back in print so go to your local comic shop go online order this comic uh, some of Jimmy's best uh, comics that he's made uh, to date no doubt Red Room Trigger Warnings is hitting the stands September 2022 that's the trade paperback collecting uh, the four issues of Red Room that came out this year, plus about 75 pages of additional materials, not unlike the Anti-Social Network trade paperback in its construction and design with all of the uh, additional art and materials uh, therein. So if you dug that one, make sure you grab trigger warnings. And without further ado, Alan Moore goes Lovecraft. In uh, the Neonomicon trade paperback, which also includes uh, the courtyard story that he did for Avatar with uh, Jason Burroughs on art duties. Jimmy, I succumbed to uh, algorithms, man, on, uh, on on Amazon. I was getting some uh, whatever the hell I was getting, and I saw that there was trade paperbacks of uh, Providence, Neonomicon, and that uh, Cinema Purgatoria mm -hmm. with, with Kevin O'Neill. Uh, these comics are not in my comic shop. I, I was looking at, like, they, they were um, kickstarted projects, I, I would have I would hope that eventually they showed up in the diamond catalog or something but I haven't seen these in comic shops at all and ended up grabbing uh, all three of those trade paperbacks never read these works when they came out because the the, the avatar imprint doesn't go get much mileage uh, on the direct market in the local Pittsburgh shops uh, even with Alan Moore's name equity these individual issues I it would they were uh, what they call subscriber books or whatever. Maybe get one or two for the shelf, but uh, I just never saw them. Yeah, it's fair. I, I've pieced together partial runs of these things um, from wherever I can find them. Sometimes it shows, sometimes in in, in uh, back issue boxes. But you're right; like they're not something that I saw on the new shelf either. Yeah, I wonder if that's a uh, an avatar like. A vestige. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not all ages comics that Avatar is putting out there, so maybe that's uh maybe you have to ask for these from behind the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> so uh let's take a look at uh the courtyard in Neonomicon uh this go round, and that might be an impetus for us to do uh Providence in the future. But if we do, I think we're gonna have to do one issue at a time because that is a very, very dense one note on the credit um, here. The courtyard's the first couple of issues that are collected in here. This is a story by Alan Moore, but sequential adaptation by Anthony Johnston. Um, worth noting there, just because 
you know, there is another hand in the words that you're reading there. Uh, right. Alan Moore, consulting editor, so I think he signed off on it, I'm sure. Yeah. But still, uh, a slightly different voice there. The, sure. And and there was that era. That's the, that's the other thing with the, with the Avatar name brand was it was it wasn't far from techno comics in a way with certain things where it would be Frank Miller's RoboCop or whatever. Yeah, written by adapted by Stephen Grant. Right. Yeah. And uh many other things actually too where where it would have prominent creator's name, top masthead, and then when you dig into it, it's other people making making the books, man. A lot of uh writer-driven stuff. You know, you would see a lot of writers' names above titles, and uh, Faust was another title that found some some publication time there. Yeah, and there was the whole era of like Jeff Darrow, kayfabe artwork, where where it's there must have been some mandate, like you have to draw like Jeff Darrow or the Avatar publisher guy was attracted to that style. Yeah, it's interesting as we get into this to kind of see the art because so much of this art is in the coloring. Yes, and doing this very clean line style you don't get to hide anything yeah behind it um so i i have mixed feelings on the art as a result like, i do uh, also. you are doing heavy lifting the artist here uh, jason burroughs but it is interesting like man this is one of those examples where the colorist is really the thing that you see on the page yeah and i think i think that's another example of what what avatar books looked like there was a lot of that open space um i wonder a lot about jason burroughs art at this point man like he's he's also i think he, he grew into who who he is certainly on like the marvel projects and things but uh i feel like there's like a heavy digital component or something like using some sort of cad software or, or google sketchup to or imposer programs because a lot of it, there's like a stiffness to it the characters are all in like a correct kind of perspective where, where they are in the rooms and all that and i just feel like there there might be some digital piece that's underlying lots of the artwork that's uh, interesting i never even considered that now that you say it like i'm looking at like perspective and figures and stuff and yeah you may be on to something there this uh detective character here mm -hmm. i think is i mean it's it's hp lovecraft cast as more modern day detective guy with all of his foibles racism sexism yeah all of that built into this guy uh, so it's sort of implying that it, you know, it's Lovecraft himself who's going to meet the meet the dark ones or whatever. He's on a case, and he's undercover. Yes, and he's and he's in this. It's not a halfway house, but man, it's a pretty scummy place where he's staying. Yeah, talks about this this super thin walls, sharing a bathroom with this woman who, I guess, has some problems of her own and uh, defecated in the sink. Yeah, <laughs> something he's not thrilled with understandably that's not what you want to see when you go to brush your teeth and these guys who do these kind of cases you can't you can't do these kind of cases for very long and maintain your sanity yeah it reminds me there was a movie um where where it was like two undercover cops they were in the narcotics you know that's what they were doing but it's the same deal where it's like you're getting stuck in this world of, yeah of uh you know what deep undercover i was i was um just just being in that universe period there's the the guy who wrote Mindhunter, the the Johnny Douglas, whatever. Uh he had a friend in the feds and the the wife like paid hitman to try to kill her FBI agent husband. So it's like you're you're mixed up in this fucked up world where like this lady like knows that hitmen are out there and like has access to them. And it wasn't like you know how you always read about, you know, 
hiring these hitmen and their FBI agents. She knew where to hire hitmen. Like the, the guys came and tried and shot the dude. Jeez. He just lived. Wow. <laughs> Talk about kayfabe, man. Your life is just out of control. Yeah. I uh, should say, too, the crime that he's investigating are these murders where uh, people's hands, I guess they're finding hands or finding bodies without hands. Right. And that's that was a profile we saw a few of the people who uh, had, had succumbed to this killer or killers. Flayed open. Uh, you get these giant, like, it's like two-panel pages. And and you, you never see stuff oriented this way. Uh, when, when you see a construction like this, it makes me think that, that that's some of Alan Moore's hand in the mixture and i say that because from day one like the earliest days of 2000 a.d if you just have an issue of a 2000 a.d that has an alan moore story in it and you just breeze through the entire issue there is something about the curation and arrangement of an alan moore comic that is clearly different from everything else around it you know it's a rhythm thing sometimes where it's like maybe you know uh a set of tears that is the same moment but there's something about the way he curates stuff that makes me think of like the way poets try to create a rhythm in in their word play and stuff like he really does create a rhythm in his panel play this one's really interesting because these first what we're looking at with these vertical panels is from the courtyard yeah the two issue series and it kind of feels like this prologue maybe because i read it in this book um, but it feels like a setup, and I think of these vertical panels as almost this like prologue kind of, you know, feels different than the other four issues that are collected in here. Yeah. Uh, I guess you get two number ones if you break this into two series, you know, if you're Avatar publishing this. Um, but I wonder if I had picked up Courtyard number one, would I have stuck around to the end of Neonomicon? And I don't know if I would or not. It's 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 a very, I don't know, pieces that you're getting here, small small chunks in a way. Yeah, which I think also speaks to the Lovecraft element. Uh, because there would be other stories that Lovecraft would write that would mention Cthulhu. Mm -hmm. And certainly the Necronomicon is something that would show up in various yeah. stories. So that's what Alan Moore is doing here. Like it's um, rather than just like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, where you have like all of public domain literary characters to play with, like he's completely zeroing in on Lovecraft stories tropes the man himself and weaving that into right. uh, a, a universe and there's a there's a big history of people building on top of the the lovecraft uh tradition and so this is like his, his version of that and there is so much stuff that we we ain't just aren't getting yeah for there, sure. there are full like websites and books that have been published that are breaking down like these symbols and just various words that are being said uh, and the, this band up on stage is kind of doing these incantations, man, that is captivating, hypnotizing people. Um, well, it's this drug, right? Yeah. Aklo. And that's what our uh, agent is kind of looking to score. And that's what he, he says, you know, I guess Randolph took it before she came on the stage. And this is the result. Right. This, uh, this babble that, that we're seeing. And in a visual medium, man, it's always a ballsy thing to try to go Lovecraft because it's all about the way Lovecraft describes his creatures and stuff. It's it's uh, it's warring ideas, you know. It's crustaceans with wings and feathers, like yeah, it makes it it kind of works better reading it at night in your head. Yeah, yeah. And Johnny Carcosa is a fellow that that uh, 
shows up everywhere in Carcosa, the the Yellow King. Like that 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 predates uh, Lovecraft. Speaks with a lisp, and uh, the only character I, I I don't recall Alan Moore writing lisps before this. Yeah, can we talk about what Aklo is? I don't want to give it away, but it may be related to that lisp a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. So it's uh it's like a techno a language techno thing. So think of like secret language or secret spells or magic. Aklo is like opening up that language. Right. And we're gonna see some good examples of that here. Dude, how about this? The gutter as like the thin wall membrane. Yeah, it's pretty effective. It's stuff like that that makes me feel like Alan Moore had a bigger hand than you know Neil Gaiman or somebody had on Lady Justice during Techno Comics. <laughs> <Lady> Justice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a consulting editor, you could see him imposing some some of these kind of ideas, like yeah, do it this way or that. Yeah. I like this this idea a lot, and it's this mural that's almost lifelike on this wall in yeah. this courtyard, and uh, we'll see more of that as the story progresses. But it's. You, you know, you can kind of see it there where it's illusional, the painting, you know, it's painted to look three-dimensional uh, within that wall. Very strange. It, it's one of those effects, you know, we talk about stuff that works in a comic that might not work in other media. Right. And you might be able to pull that off, like in film or something. You could probably do some digital effect that moves in perspective a little bit, you know, with the camera, but it works really good in a comic book. Like, yeah. you can really create this idea that it's a mural, but it's a mural that's lifelike in this in this setting, in this environment. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good comic effect. As is the staircase. Yeah, you have your um, Hitchcock the Lodger yeah. shot. And this is another one of those pieces where I feel like... Makes me think of the raid, you know, running yeah. up the stairs. Got Johnny Corcosa's mom, and she's like those, what they call the, the Betrachian people that are that are, exist in uh, Lovecraft world, which uh, when you... When you uh, look in a dictionary of what the fuck does Betrachian mean? It means like frog-like. Yeah, I think of Mike Mignola's work a little bit when we talk Lovecraft. Yeah. It's, uh, the frog connection is a good Tentacles. one. Tentacles. Getting a little taste, dude. Isn't that the quintessential yeah, like right. uh, Law & Order kind of pose? It does look like a Law & Order character. Got that long head, man. He's it's it's definitely a Lovecraft guy. The Aklo has been taken. Here we go. Homeboy's gonna go off the rails. This is also one of those bookend uh Alamore comics where we saw those two panels at the very beginning, and it sort of ends with the same camera view with mm -hmm. uh slight alterations. Now, this is the stuff where like let's see what the script looks like yeah this is the stuff that's hard as hell to draw and you think about we're pointing out buildings in perspective with figures that are all the right size and now you're tasked with this job yeah that is that is uh tough love the negative space i i assume that's our agent there screaming on the left side right it's really cool to use that way it's like the gutters and um even this feels like we've we've upped from our i don't know referencing something to being starting to get into like the creepy cool comics language stuff oh yeah That's pretty fun. Part landscape, part creature. You know, you talk about Aklo's a language, lost colors, forgotten intestines. Like it, it, it's kind of cool. 
I love this stuff. This is one of the elements of magic that I find attractive is this idea that different language could describe things that we don't experience otherwise or don't think about otherwise. Yeah. And that makes total sense to me. And it's cool to see that playing out in an Alan Moore comic. Right. I think right here is, is like our day gone guy who will show up oh, yeah. in uh, Neonomicon. Yeah, but all those characters kind of have that queasy feeling, don't they? Oh, shit. And this guy, like, just like looking at his kind of King Tut mm -hmm. goatee thing, I think that might be the um, the writer of the Necronomicon. I forget what his name is, but it's mentioned in, like, so much of the Lovecraft stuff. So when you see that humanoid figure amongst all this, like, he must be the guy. Seeing these, like, orbs makes me think of uh, Kirby's Fourth World. Right which I love. I love if there's some kind of connection, you know, this shared ideas of, of uh, ancient gods and new gods and stuff way beyond the human experience. Because he would have read that shit. Like, you know, if his his is the new gods, like the old the old ones, that, that is Lovecraft. He talks about the old ones, That's the old so gods. That's so fascinating. I've never thought about it Me ever neither. before. It's like fourth world connected to H.P. <laughs> Lovecraft old gods. That's great. Wow. Now he's coming out of his hay, his DMT haze. And uh, the wrap-up sequence, man. You know what? He uses DMT to open up himself to Aklo. That's right. like, a, like, like I don't know, getting in the right frame of mind or whatever. Makes me wonder about um, Alan Moore, because he's written about stuff like snake gods and things like that. And I think some of that stuff, and I don't know about him specifically, but I think people often use drugs to kind of uh, unlock communication with this kind of other beings. Right. Yeah, make, makes sense. And more discussed doing uh, acid every weekend for like over a year one time. <laughs> like, is this the fireworks going on outside? Or is this guy wringing somebody's neck for like a whole day? Yeah, I, I can't answer that. I don't know. And it is weird to have that as a bookend. Because is that what it is? Is he choking somebody out? Yeah, it's, the, it's, that, uh, it's that person that was shitting and being all right. mouthy. Yeah, I know. I understand he kills her, but the actual, like, what is happening in this pose and he's blood splattered? I don't know. Weird. Yeah. But unsettling. It's 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 a good... Here's the thing, part of why I wonder, like, if you buy Courtyard 1, do you buy the rest of the series? Because it, it is set up. Like, you, yeah. you it helps Neonomicon a lot yes. to have this Courtyard lead-in. Right. And the aforementioned Courtyard is this image right here, which factors into Neonomicon. I really love that concept. Yeah. That mural being a piece of a uh, piece of the story. The he... Jason Burroughs get paid for this page. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he did. Yeah, sure. Is he the colorist? No. Uh -uh. Look at this like gray kind of muted sort of palette. I associate that with uh, Avatar. Yeah, I do too. It's a very literal sort of approach to color. Mm hmm. And every title is some sort of play on the title of a famous Lovecraft story. This is where we get to the tempo. Like, we got these four panel pages with this conversation. And it isn't that Brian Michael Bendis, two heads, looking back and forth at each other with all kinds of dialogue. Like, these people are moving through space. And actually, like, it's, it's actual visual information that we're getting while they're having their conversations uh and the conversation is about like they're going to be you know clary starling fucking hannibal lectoring the cop that we saw the agent from from the courtyard 
They're going to see that guy. You know, I think there's a, uh, a dropped piece here too, because as they're going along, our guard is like, he's down at this end, everybody on this wing, they're all cases like your friend. And she's like, you mean they're violent patients? And he's like, no, they cut people's hands off and carve, carve their torsos into shapes. <laughs> like, hey, uh, feds, interview everybody on the wing. There, <laughs> right. there could be a lot of clues here. Boy, John Hamm's playing this guy, right? Didn't oh, yeah, sure. Version? Sounds good. To, yeah, <laughs> perfect. The wizard casting couch. <laughs> this is the stuff, too, where, where I'm like, is Jason Burroughs using these, like, some sort of programs or something to uh, create these characters into space? Certainly when we see them at the, at the uh, store and things later on. He's speaking in tongues now. Like, our guy is fully touched. He's completely around the bend speaking in tongues which is the other danger you hear about fooling with this kind of magic and with beings from other sides like you really don't know what you're getting into so maybe, right maybe don't do it lovecraft is such an asexual human being and there's never any kind of sex component in in any of his his work though you can make arguments about the tentacles and all that kind of shit whatever go freudian with it but injecting this character who's you know, it's a it's a woman, super feminine, but also dealing with like sex addiction issues. I think that that's clearly a a, a more thing. Try to like inject like a sexual being. Like this is like what he's bringing to the Lovecraft universe. Inject a sexual being into this universe. I bet you this is modeled on something. Yeah, and you know, it's I think it's an argument against perfect perspective. Mm -hmm. Because I I've seen like I've tried doing this kind of perspective, you know, really ruling off your lines and everything. And I find that like, sometimes it is tough because your buildings get so small so fast. And it's like, this may be mathematically correct, but bend it a little bit for the comic. Right. You know, like a lot of the comics that look right are actually wrong. Totally. And, and intentionally. It's not, I don't think it's that the person messed up. I think they looked at it and went, look a little better if I fudge this part. When you look at um, that, that street code, two page spread of Kirby's, like your eyeballs can only see so much when you're working on it you know like the piece of art that he's making is, is bigger than than our field of view in this video so like this part looks right but then the horse and carriage over here is on a different plane mm -hmm. but as a whole piece has so much energy and light creates movement it does and and this is static right extremely static yeah this is a fixed point of view whereas you look at that kirby example and it's almost like we're seeing a dozen points of view and by the way guys like dave gibbons brian balland like they they do the same thing also but they figured out a way to add bounce and a little life to what they do but i think gibbons probably abides by stuff and by by perspective grids but he allows for kayfabe buildings yeah. and, and... I really like Burroughs' cars in this because yeah. they are real cars. So many cars are that, like the, the two by four with the box on top, sure. which is your cartoon car. Yeah. Uh, but like there's an interior shot at the beginning of this issue where it's like, oh yeah, that's really what a car... Like, like I think he sat in a car and drew that because well, it looks right. Well, I'm saying chase the photo is what I'm saying. You know, like, is it photos? Is it whatever? Like, but it's that very pristine, there's no playing around. And when you see these characters in space, there's nobody floating or anything. So it's like technically correct, but there's a stiffness, there's a staticness to it that is vaguely a, a little boring. Like I like Jason Burroughs artwork, man. 
but there's it just feels like it's it's traced off of stuff like almost everything do you think this is intentional that this part is feels a little boring because the story does get wild yeah and and we've seen those pages in courtyard where it's like oh yeah okay now we're going off model here and I, I kind of wonder if that's intentional. Yeah, maybe. Even her design here to me was like, oh, she's coming alive. Right. Which I admire that as a discipline thing, where mm -hmm. like you're willing to like really hold back in certain parts in order to create, to have a more of an impact elsewhere. It's a thing that Jim Storland was talking about uh, when we talked to him in uh, Heroes Con that I haven't like quit thinking about where the way he would arrange his stories is like, with like almost temperature, it's like, good thing, bad thing, good thing, bad thing, good thing, worst thing, that kind of oscillation. So maybe it's like, let's have calm before the storm. Now it's time to get wild. It also encourages um, looking closer at the art. Yeah. And you, and this is the first uh, moments where we get big pages, big panels. And of course they're on the page turns. So the raid is on a page turn, makes a lot of sense great storytelling here this is the kind of stuff where you just know alan moore built all this in in the script phase where you have this lady kind of i love that the uh we're getting our dutch angles but they're going back and forth absolutely. that's a great way to keep keep things moving yeah, absolutely and like especially when she comes out of the door because it feels like she's like it feels like gravity is yes, like pulling her exactly like she banged her into that wall tipping the camera over totally and uh of course there are feds around the back, but the guy that they're chasing, he didn't come out. They didn't see him pop out. And this looks like a guy who would like worship at the altar of Cthulhu or something. <laughs> you know, some guy that would wear a Utila kilt and go to maker fairs and shit. <laughs> <laughs> this haircut has become the Karen haircut of... 2022 by the way man is that true oh yeah like a smaller version of it but right. when you see those ladies rocking that i thought it was a cool haircut design on here listen man we're dated now you know, we're, <laughs> we're older dudes this is 2011 though man burrow's ahead of the curve it existed back then i'm just saying those same ladies are wearing it now and they, and they got five kids and they want their latte a special way is what <laughs> i'm saying and if you don't give it that way you are getting a bad yelp review Another big panel when we're introducing our, uh, our courtyard, right? Yeah, dude, there it is right there. And we saw that Betrachian, uh right. Carcosa mom figure. Well, here she is right here, dude. And you get to see that little pink snapper in the middle. Yeah, it's an unpleasant image all around. Unwetted herself a touch. And and you see, like, you know, we don't got to be Dexter to imagine that she, she took a couple whacks to get through whatever mm. that important vein was. I was picturing it was the, uh, the heart beating out the last of the blood. Yeah. Squirts. <laughs> man i remember wrestling and watching dudes like whenever they they uh cut themselves and if they'd hit one of these blood vessels and it would pulse oh yeah i mean that would be on monday night raw that's that's uh that's that's mass transit like when <laughs> he's when he's laying there and it's, it's like so a disturbing old oh yeah my brother said like what they call it like you 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 gig yourself and then you got to do the poop face because if you when you strain your face it pushes the blood out faster mm. good to know <laughs> This, so this is the great gimmick of of our wall mural yes this mural looks realistic especially in a comic where everything is drawn so you can make it look as real as the stuff that's supposed to have depth 
and now our character who's interacting with them disappears as part of the mural. Yeah, dude. And when she touches it, it's it's just Wet chalk. Paint. Yeah, like it's so yeah. cool, man. Yeah, so so awesome. That's a great conceit. I'm surprised I haven't seen that a thousand times in comics. It's such a smart move. Yeah, you know, like you know I what it is. It's Looney Tunes of like I'm painting the uh, the tunnel on the wall here on the cliff, and then I run through it, but Wiley e. Coyote runs into it. Totally. And and there are um you know you you see strategically shot videos on YouTube and you know Instagram or whatever where, where there are just these muralists who can create cool looking depth things that look right at a certain perspective, and it's just a chalk drawing or whatever. Hey, so this is a we yeah. might have to cut this. Okay, yeah. Go back a page. What are we looking at here? Yeah, I don't know. There's an earlier panel that has this in it. And keep keep your page up and I'll show you the earlier reference to it. But it appears to be a dome with a city under it as if like this is where everything is taking place. And whenever I looked at it here, you know, I wasn't sure what it was. Some yeah. kind of observatory or something. But whenever you get like the zoom in on it, is there some idea that this city is like contained under something? Yeah, that's a good question, man. I, I don't know. SB35, like nothing is ever a mistake. Nothing right. is ever dashed out. So, uh. You're not drawing a dome over a city accidentally. Right. But just every piece of it, like, has some significance. And, I mean, that's, that's, that's near the end, right? So, it's sort of like, I don't know, cliffhanger moment that, like, we're going to focus and really emphasize that this city is under some sort of, inside some kind of uh, a piece. And here's one more example where, like, you see this, like, netting that. Right, that, you're you right. Know, it's so funny cause, this. yeah because i was just wondering like what was that yeah that's super interesting i feel like they don't really talk about it in the story like we're going into this maybe we closed gotta, in uh city maybe we got to finish off with uh with this one because johnny carcosa shows up in providence man all these dildos are just very disgusting <laughs> especially if they have anything to do with um that betrachian mom yeah here's your dome again right yeah what is that i don't know you know, it fades off on the edges too. It doesn't look like you're imprisoned in there. It just looks like some sort of canopy on top. Yeah. The FBI, the FBI peeps that we saw at the very beginning, they're uh, they're pretty close partners, man. Yeah, I'll say. And the fella has has a wife at home and is like, yeah, she doesn't care. This feels like um, the story you're telling about the uh, the wife at home that's sending the hitman out. Right, right, right. Like, <laughs> Could be this couple. Yeah. <laughs> Based like, on that story. Like, this lady, she's talking, like, you know, she had all that sex addiction stuff. Like, you think that she's tempting fate or something right there? And they are heading to uh, follow up on those those dildos. This is where the, they originate from, this shop in Salem. So they're going to track it down and see what they can find. <laughs> they look like... <laughs> they look like that couple at the bar that wants to buy the bartender a, a, a drink and say, hey, you want to come hang out with us after? When you start to see the shop, this is another example of like, is this just like a posed out? Like, is is most of Jason Burroughs' time being spent on a computer setting up posed? Because like every figure is kind of stiff. Mm -hmm. uh, like setting up like posed guys and then generating some sort of Cintiq thing Man, to I trace or something reading this and now i'm very curious what his process is yeah it's got to be out there online I, i've seen interviews with him so it's probably no secret but it does make me very curious because mm -hmm. stuff is kind of perfect like uh size wise right 
and and where the guys are in space like how they're mm -hmm. how they're on the ground nobody's floating i mean if this you you need to be on an fbi list if you buy this sex doll thing <laughs> with that face like you should be on a list i was thinking of like the dc star yeah yeah star, star. <laughs> So they went to the kink shop, and yeah, it's weird or whatever, but it's not that big of a deal. But they did get an invite to the party. Yes. To the after-hours party. And she bought some of these books, uh, I don't know, I guess cult kind of books. Yeah. And here we go, man. This is where things start to pop off. This is where things really ramp up as a reading experience. You continue to see these pieces of that giant canopy. A, a contained universe? Is that the implication? I don't know. I love the uh, underground tunnel stuff too. For sure, there, there's a lot the of like fun lore that's work woven into these stories. <laughs> and here are the other swinging couples of of the town, man. Everybody's getting naked, and just like an episode of uh, Real, Real Sex. Sex on HBO, <laughs> that's right. They all have the body types of uh, just all regular folk that you ain't really trying to. It is hilarious to think of this as like a Real Sex episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> New England sex cults. And of course, the, like our FBI agents, you got to be real fit to be an FBI agent. Yeah, I feel like this is a, a place where the coloring suits it pretty well. It's like creepy and green. And then we have a good piece where our main lady detective has to remove her uh, contact lenses almost blind. Right. So that's a fun visual that you can play with in comics and that we're going to get to see uh, to see her play with this. Yeah, they, they, they say that, you know, this is just river water, non-potable, non nasty river water. So you don't want schmegma like in behind your lenses man you're gonna get fucked up and this is where everything goes south we get to see what the deal is we'll probably glance through a lot of this kind of quick man but the cult they they brought them there as, as chum, chum basically they knew that they didn't quite necessarily know they were feds but they knew that these noobs are definitely going to be you know used and they kill our our, our male detective yeah. right off the bat like, right right away yeah it's uh things are bad it real put, fast put our girl through lots of bad stuff lots of bad stuff uh everybody's all sexed up they let forth their little demon guy and you see these ladies trying to satisfy their big demon guy on the on the the very last uh last page there yeah and, and how about you're making a comic with this demon creature and uh, you don't actually show the guy. There's no there's no money shot. This is what you're left with at the end of the issue. That's a great end of an issue. Totally. If that doesn't make you want to to, to see this thing, and I by, don't know how you, what you do. And by the way, this can be the end of like almost every Lovecraft story. Is you just see this indescribable thing coming towards you. Yeah, and I don't know if these are actual covers from the issues. Yeah. But if so, what a great cover. Real good. Again, not giving away what this creature is. Yeah. The feds are trying to build that case, man. Our girl has been disappeared for a while, so they're ramping things up a little bit because now one of their own has disappeared. And what is happening, our girl is just chum to uh, day is a day gone. One of the classic Lovecraft creations. She's putting herself... She's, uh, she's zoning out while this stuff is going on. And presumably, Dagon is even... Uh, injecting her with some hallucinogenic that is making this possible because she's 
in contact with this Johnny Carcosa guy who's been floating around. We'll cut back to see one of those uh, women give us a little bit of exposition as to she's been down here almost a week. And yeah. She's not coming back. Right. They're keeping her awake for a little bit longer, man. They're keeping her alive for a little bit lo longer, bringing her bread and water and things. Yeah. Mostly to satisfy this creature. It's a good depiction. I, I feel like the characterization of this creature is pretty strong up to this point. Yeah. Here's our procedural. I I feel like uh, I feel like Alan Moore is a procedural yes. guy. Like I think he likes that kind of TV and stuff. I think a lot of people do. I've been yeah. watching that bear show on Hulu. It's a cooking show. Or that's probably that's probably not how they describe it. But in my mind, like the procedural parts are what I like. Right. And like so many of those shows, CSI's, all those shows sort of have a version of that procedural element. So yeah, I, I think I'm I'm in agreement with you on that one. He, and he was talking of, on that uh, Masterclass BBC Maestro thing about um, really digging procedurals and, and those big ensemble cast things uh, and try to th figure out how to make comics within that kind of universe. So this Dagon guy, this is one of the most ridiculous things. After he, he busts a load, like he recharges real quick. Yes. So he's really destroying our girl and she's this is funny comics. yeah yeah she's super sore so she is like listen i'll jack you off man like i need i need a rest right now man bust it off dude and we get we get exclamatory it's funny ejaculate stuff. from from our <laughs> demon or fish guy then we show our girl peeing and that attracts our guy again you know you get one panel of him chilling out that attracts him again, and he starts, like, tasting her nectars. And and I think the reveal there, I mean, no spoilers, right? This is where a decade plus past this, so right. spoiler alert, yeah. um, is she's pregnant. Yeah. And I think that's what he detects in the, in the urine and why he sets her free. Right. Totally fucking Gilman, Black, Black Lagoon type imagery right here. And again reminiscent of certain ideas that you see in Hellboy. Right. It's a totally different interpretation of it, but it's still kind of neat. Like, there is crossover with this creature. In our last chapter, man, she is a free woman at this point. And by the way, the color palette leaves no doubt. Yes. And there's a big glimpse of the, uh, of the, uh, whatever that covering is. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, you see it there in daylight, full, full size. Very bizarre. I don't know what that element is. Strange to not mention it. Mm -hmm. Shows up on shore. They hook her up with some gear. She makes a call. You turn the page. The SWAT team is fucking doing their job immediately. I like that storytelling. Waste no time. We don't need to see the procedure of what happens now. Yeah. And you get some sense that this would happen, like if you know some, yeah, some so. people fucked up a cop. Federal agent, one's dead and one's been missing for a week. I think you're going to get a raid as soon as that person shows up and says this is where it happened. <laughs> right. She is outside of the joint while the guys are going in, reasonably shaken up. And, you know, her ASAC is just trying to trying to make sense of the of what she's saying. Right which is about a monster attack and uh, probably not something that that guy's <laughs> accepting. Right. Yeah, they find the partner not not uh not doing too well. No. When they come across their first cult member, he ain't doing too well himself. 
How about that shadow? Yeah, it's cool. There's a lot of cool visuals in here. He points to the way. Go through that big door where they set up their little orgy gimmicks. And there's more chewed up people. Uh, everybody who is established, you get to kind of see what their fate. Right. Man, it's grisly too. Like intestines and things hanging out. A decapitated it, it head. Bec it becomes a full-on Avatar comic. You know? Like, right. that, that's that's the, the homework. Yeah, monster comic. It's, it's surprising too that this kind of stuff hasn't been translated to the screen. Yeah. It feels like it really lend itself. And a lot of filmmakers would enjoy playing with this kind of a creature. Um, this is amazing. Like, this is such a great moment in a comic that they just slaughter this monster. I feel like that's not something you ever see. And also, like, the world changes the day that the FBI kills this creature, right? <laughs> right. She goes in when it's all cleared out, dude. And there's this very interesting moment, nonverbal. This is the part that would really get fucked up if it was a Marvel or DC comic or something. Because we would know everything that she's thinking. We would know you know the relationship between the two yeah good good storytelling on uh, burrow's part that you don't need any words on that spread and she's now highly educated in this world of speaking in aclo tongues and whatnot so she's going to give it another go at our fella from the courtyard book have a little chit chat with our with our guy and it's mano y mano at this point. She can speak in the exact tongues, and that knocks him out of the jo out yes. of the gimmick. Or is it is this us reading? Translated, yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Going back and forth. Uh... That's a fun business that she didn't learn, and it's just been coming to her lately. <laughs> right. It's like you know, sexually transmitted. Kind of weird ideas here. Like how the lettering changes to uh, support that in some way. Yeah, it's a really small detail because I don't think we see that lettering anywhere else really. And give up the ghost. There it is. Our lady is with child, and it might have tentacles. So I have not read Providence. Does Providence carry over the storyline? I don't know if it carries over the storyline, and I haven't read it either. But okay. we, I have it, and I think that we should read it. But I think you see Johnny Carcosa in here. Yeah. And it's certainly, this is the past. So I don't know. I don't know, Jimmy. But I think it's uh, worth investigating. You know, we often end these shows and it's like, oh yeah, this makes me want to read the next piece. This makes me want to read the next piece. Yeah. So compliments to the creators as far as that goes. Some of the images in the background are really fun too. I have no idea what they would have been from, but I mean like... Looks like you had fun drawing it. You yeah, know? possibly end papers or you know front. Yeah, it could be inside right, maybe cover, back cover, wraparound covers. I think that's something that uh, you would see with Avatar. Be some cover variants and things. That cop is really creepy looking. Straight out of Dead World. Super cool, man. Yeah, so so I'm very interested in reading Providence. We should probably do one issue at a time. Uh, because it does feel like it's all building, you know, like more had slight hands on the courtyard, got f way more uh, involved with Neonomicon. And I mean, Providence, it's as ambitious as Watchmen in, issues. in terms of the writing and, and the back matter, using every page of the book to support your story. 
12 what issues. Calls to mind League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in that it's using historical literature and, and history. Going through Avatar, like it just, what, what a bonkers creator. Yeah, I wonder how it affects sales. Right. Yeah, you know, because I mean, I'm sure. Like I, in today's world, it's like you can. You, you said you got that on Amazon. Yeah. Um. You know. So like, that's a level playing field, right? I never saw one. Well, I mean, uh, there's millions of things that exist on there. So it's it's a promo that 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 is needed. You know, to like let you know that it existed. I never seen one issue of this. I didn't know this comic even existed until like Tom mentioned it while it was like six, seven issues in already. So I don't know if it came out on a semi-regular basis. I don't know anything about it. I'm mm -hmm. coming in pretty, pretty cold. I have, I think all the individual issues except one. So if we were to do a review or if we were to do it as like, kind of like we did Watchmen, like yeah. they're, they're, we can look at issues, we can look at the collection. Um, yeah, I plan to go into it. So I'm sure we'll cover it on here in some form or fashion. Let's do it. Okay, favors, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, Jimmy? Hulk Grand Design, the collection is now available for pre-orders in your comic shops, online, at your library, wherever you get books. Ask for the Hulk Grand Design Treasury Edition. It'll be the bright fluorescent green cover. You won't be able to miss it, and it'll look great this Christmas under your tree or your friend's trees. Uh, Street Angel Deadly Squirrel Live, back in print from Image Comics. Again, available wherever you get comics or books. And join me on patreon.com slash jimrug, where you can see a lot more of my comic art. All that stuff is available in the link tree below. Red Room Trigger Warning, straight paperback, hitting the stands. September 2022, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game of Red Room Comics, banned in more than 28 countries, banned in more than 10 comic shops here in the States. So you might have to hit up my link tree in the description below this video to put in your orders and pre-orders for current and future Red Room Comics. Three bucks will get you the archive at my Patreon. And what I'm doing there is serializing uh, new strips uh, for Red Room every Tuesday. We're now into the territory that has not uh, seen print yet. And that'll be uh, continuing every week for the foreseeable future. You also have access to the archive of more than uh, 250 pages of existing Red Room comics that are up there right now. Jimmy, what else do we have? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. Another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Jimmy, give them the marching orders. We'll be on our way. Read more comics.